on guard. Pray. Ale. Welcome to the Tokyo 2020 Fencing Podcast. It's episode 27, and it's a big one because finally we can confirm at least the teams who are qualified for men's foil. This episode is all about uh, what happened at the Cairo World Cup. I'm Karen Bashir, and joining me as ever, it's Dave Baker. Dave, at last we've got something that we can confirm. Absolutely. Eight qualified teams. Magic stuff. Well, let's not give everything away immediately. Uh, we'll start with those teams uh, going into Cairo. USA, France, Italy and Hong Kong held the provisional top four automatic spots with Korea, Russia, Egypt and Canada holding the zonal spots. Now, if you are a, an avid listener of our podcast, you would already know that the USA, France and Italy were already secured as top four qualifiers and two zonal places were also confirmed Egypt and Canada so we knew that those five teams were going to Tokyo the races we were interested in well there was one really it was the race for the top four between Hong Kong Korea and Russia and whatever the permutations there it had a knock-on effect for Japan and China and Germany and Great Britain Dave I think the best way to tackle this one is to go round by round, if you like, and, and, and see where we were after each round and what we knew at those points. So are you happy with that idea? That makes sense. We can relive the day a little bit. <laughs> OK, well, let's start in the 32 then. What did we know? Uh, so we saw Brazil lost. Um, so that was obviously very positive for, for Canada. Sewed up the Pan Am spot. Um and uh, I mean, that's really all we needed to uh, all we needed to know. There weren't any real upsets either. It was a relatively straightforward. So uh, I mean, we already knew Canada were were, were in that that uh, qualification position anyway. But uh, Brazil lost all chances of threatening uh, the Pan American spot at all. Uh, so we move straight on to the sixteen. Uh, like I say, that big race uh, uh, for the top four spot between Hong Kong, Korea, and Russia. Um, any news from that that round? Yeah, so I um, just did a quick one out of the way. Um, you know, there was a slight chance that Germany could overtake Russia. They needed to win uh, the competition. That just didn't happen. They got beaten by Japan fairly comfortably in the 16. Um, otherwise, it, it all pretty well went to plan. Um, Egypt, again, locking in their position as the best team in Africa, uh, beat China, so that took out any slim hopes they might have had. Um, in overtaking the Japanese team for a potential Asian place, uh, but otherwise we we had a couple of um, uh, couple of good wins from uh, Hong Kong and Korea, and interestingly Russia beating Poland, which set up some really really interesting quarterfinal matches. So that top four race still on, but uh, let's just take a little segue away from the main tableau because uh, not only did Germany go out, Great Britain went out as well, and of course. <laughs> Well, we didn't know what was going to happen at this point, but Germany and Great Britain were in a battle for uh, potentially stealing the European spot if Russia were able to make it into the top four. And they met each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, GBR needed needed a fairly substantial result to um, to, to, to get over uh, the Germans' points total. Uh, but it was, I mean, I guess, you know, maybe somewhat symbolic that they did meet in the, uh, in the back tableau as well. So... Uh, the Germans getting getting the better there and, and finishing higher on the rankings. 
Yeah, so Germany effectively won their mini battle with Great Britain. <laughs> uh, I mean, the fact that the British team went out in the 16 meant that they weren't going to be able to catch the Germans, as, as you suggested. Uh, so, But good, uh, good, solid, as you say, symbolic uh, result for Germany beating Great Britain. So we move on to the eight with that race for the top four still hot. Uh, Hong Kong facing Korea, so straight head to head there. That was a biggie. Russia facing Italy, arguably one of the best teams for the last two or three years. Um, Japan facing France and the USA facing Egypt. Well, let's let's put USA and Egypt to, to bed because the United States are qualified as the top qualifier. Egypt qualified as uh, the African zonal. Uh, place in the African zone place uh, the USA beat uh, Egypt quite easily 45-24 but it didn't really have any net effect on the results so it was the other uh, three uh, matches that were crucial Dave what I mean going in what what were we looking at so a couple of couple of things so if Japan did well they had a chance of moving uh, moving up into up into an Asian a spare Asian place if it was available um, both Hong Kong and Korea started uh, the day in qualification period, uh, but this effectively would be a straight shootout match, really, if Russia had the day of their lives and managed to force their way into the final. And obviously, Russia then going up against a very strong team, uh, the Italian team, having already qualified. Let's be clear: Russia already qualified, couldn't be caught by anybody else, but could be uh, Germany's savior to the detriment of one of the Asian teams if they made it all the way to the final. So that's what really what we were looking at is looking over our shoulder how well Russia were doing and then if Russia were doing well, then who's a bit worried? Is it Hong Kong or Korea? Right. Well, let's put to bed the other one then <laughs> before we get into that. Uh, France very ably beat Japan 45-36 and that uh, affected, effectively ended Japan's chances of qualifying uh, for their home games in men's foil. Yep, that's it. Not good enough. Not good enough all year, Bash. I think we'd agree. Yeah, definitely. It's been a tricky time for them. So uh, let's deal with a straight shootout between Hong Kong and Korea because that was, as you put it, it, it was winner takes all, basically. what. In effect, whatever happened, it was winner takes all. Uh, yeah, I mean, they could both qualify if Russia slipped up. So it was um, it was sort of a we didn't know what as soon as it happened, we didn't know what what the net impact was going to be. But it effectively guaranteed qualification to the winner. Yeah. There was still a chance for the loser to to, to come in via the uh, come in via the back door, scrape through. But you know, winning kept the destiny in your own hands. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I mean, yeah. we, we we didn't. They didn't know they were fencing at the same time, but yeah. it, it was a case of we have to win this for both teams. Oh, absolutely. And um, I mean, not that we had any live stream, but I suspect it was very aggressively fought. Yes, but one team was much stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Huge win for Hong Kong, forty-five thirty-five, uh, and that meant that um, that not effectively. No, absolutely, they were going to Olympic Games at that point. Yeah, but Korea still in with a shout, uh, depending on the result of the other match. Strong favourites, Italy versus Russia. Italy uh, have been the better team all season. Uh, like you say, no live stream. It was a real shame we couldn't watch this one because uh, just looking at the score, uh, it must have been an incredible match. Yeah, absolutely. As, as you allude to, this Russian team with uh, with some uh, plenty of juniors in it as well, 
are doing doing fantastically well and uh, managed to beat uh, beat the Italian team. So Russia winning forty five thirty six and keeping German dreams alive. Yeah, absolutely incredible. So we go to the semi-finals. It's USA versus Hong Kong, Russia versus France. So at this stage, we know that Hong Kong have definitely qualified and we know that Russia have definitely qualified. So why was this important? So it's effectively, uh, how's best to put this? So if we got USA, Hong Kong, Russia, France. If Russia beats France and Hong Kong lose to the USA, yeah, Russia moves into the top four and Germany qualify. And Korea are out. And Korea are out. If either France beats Russia or Hong Kong beats the USA, yeah. Hong Kong stay in the top four, Korea are saved, Germany don't make it. So there were two possible ways for uh, Hong Kong to stay in the four, but there was only there was only a way they needed both things needed to happen for for Germany to get uh, to get a lifeline. Well, just let's be thorough here. What if both Hong Kong and Russia lost the semi final? No, so that was that was uh, that's not enough. That's not enough. So we had yeah. So three potential outcomes, four potential outcomes. Four teams could have won. Uh, three of those would have meant that Hong Kong and Korea would have qualified. Just one of those permutations would have meant that Russia and Germany qualified. All right, I'm going to spoil the party. Um, the USA beat Hong Kong. They did. Uh, 40, 45-37. So that, with that knowledge, what were the outcomes for Russia versus France? So given that the US beat Hong Kong... If Russia beats France, Germany qualifies. If France beats Russia, Korea qualifies at the expense of each other. So it was all in the French hands. It was, absolutely. They could choose who they wanted to have at the Olympic Games. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they would have fought very hard, but it was a cracking day for the Russians, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. They won into the final. And getting into the final meant that mathematically they would move into the top four, which meant that there'd be another European team in the top four, which means that it opens up a zonal place, which is Germany, and takes away a zonal place from Asia, which was Korea. Uh, effectively, it meant that the, the 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 gold medal match was a bit of a dead rubber. Everybody knew who'd qualified for the Olympic Games at that point. But uh, just for the sake of, again, being thorough, the USA beat Russia in that final 45 36. So after all of that, the top four right at the end were confirmed as USA, France, Italy and Russia. Hong Kong drop out of the top four, but keep the Asian zonal spot. Egypt, strong team. Uh, They finished eighth in the table uh, and they pick up the African spot. Germany's day was saved by the Russian team going through against France in the semifinals and Germany pick up the European spot and Canada take the Pan-American spot. So we know now all eight teams qualified for the men's foil team event at Tokyo 2020, Dave. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And I think if you look back on it, you know, you wouldn't have known it at the time, but that quarterfinal match between Hong Kong and Korea was effectively a knockout match to go to the Olympic Games. Yeah, incredible. Amazing. Just amazing. 
Yeah, just brilliant stuff. Uh, so a couple of things, a couple of questions. Uh, Japan, they have some host nation places. Yep. Do you think it's likely they're going to use some of them? I mean, it's possible, obviously, we'll get onto the individual, that a Japanese fencer can qualify through the individual route. But just one. Do you think that Japan will perhaps add a couple of foilists to make a team and make it nine teams? Yeah, I think almost certainly. Uh, I think their men's foil team would be their highest ranked team. They're seventh currently on the FIE rankings. And also, I think given that there are some I'd say inverted commas, lower ranked teams qualified, Egypt in 8th, Germany in 10th, Canada in 14th. If they created a team, they would go in with quite a high seed. So it's not like they'd be going in seeded ninth or 8th and then have to face the number one in the world. You know, if they came in ranked 5th or 6th, um, then they actually don't have the hardest first round match in the world. Um, as opposed to, you know, filling up a team, uh, say lower ranked, who just gets walloped by, by the top seed. Um, I'd say almost certainly I would um, have very short odds on on Japan putting the uh, two places into men's foil if they qualify one individual or three places if they don't qualify anyone. Yeah, very interesting, isn't it? Because I I agree with you. I think Japan will have a men's foil team there and there will be nine teams in the tournament. And that means that it's more than likely that Germany will face Canada in uh, just a one round of 16 match. Yep, absolutely. That's how it works. And then uh, I think almost certainly we'll then go on to get beaten up by the USA. <laughs> well, predicting Olympic results here. I'm sure the, book, <laughs> the bookies will be delighted with you. Um, yeah, well, there, there you have it. It was a really interesting one. I've got one other quick question for you, Dave. Um, and I have my own opinion on this one. Uh, Russia. Yeah. <laughs> they have done it in the nick of time and just to be clear they've they've done it by six points over hong kong to make it into that top four and release the european spot for germany but they look like a rejuvenated team with uh, a couple of youngsters a couple of twins in fact uh building in their ranks yeah uh, i think uh you know to, to to rejuvenate a famous uh footballing catchphrase you know you can't win anything with kids I don't think yeah. uh, I don't think that's true at all. The the Borodashevs have done phenomenally well. Still juniors fencing in Porich, I think, as we speak. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Uh, sort of shepherded around by Cherimizinov, presumably to show them how senior World Cups work. That's uh, no, amazing. I mean, we'll have to see which fences they actually use at the Olympic Games. Uh, but it well, sounds like you know they they want to they want they've got a youth policy and it seems to be working. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, I spoke to the Russian coach a while back in Bonn. It was actually, and uh, uh, he he was he was very open about it all. He says he he wants he wants the youngsters to come through. It's time for them to shine. And you're right. Uh, the uh, Borodashev twins were competing in Porich yesterday, actually, in the junior men's uh, foil individual competition. And they both made the final. <laughs> and uh, it was Kirill who beat his twin brother Anton 15-13 to take the European title. And you know what? I think both of them are going to be on the team. Uh, Milnikov, the other youngster, mm. the other junior, also in Porsche, I think he went out in the 32, uh, perhaps was uh, in contention. But now it's a question of who potentially will be the fourth Russian fencer in what is a, 
a very strong and a very young team. Yeah, absolutely. This is um, this is what we're going to need to try and now that we know which teams are qualified, we're going to need to get into the guts of uh, you know individual countries' selection because you know they can choose anyone they like. They could go and find someone off the street if they wanted to. Yeah, um, I don't think they're going to do that, obviously. Um, so we need to work out, you know, who's qualified and, you know, so I think the USA has got a similar question, right? What's there? Um, well, US, USA have said uh, already that uh, Alex Masialis and Garrick Meinhardt will fence both individual and team. So the race there for the third individual spot is between Nick Ipkin and Ray Simboni. Wow. I would have thought um, after Nick's win in um, in Paris, he would be, he'd be much higher than race. I need to have a look at the US rankings and see what, um, see what they need to do. Well, I can tell you he is. Mm. Uh, he is higher. Uh, if, it, if qualification was today for the USA, Nick Itkin would be that third member of the team. But, of course, we've got one more individual tournament to come uh, in Olympic qualification. So let's let's move on to the individual. Yeah. That's a, a good time to do it. Going into uh, Cairo, the two European spots were held by Mepstead and Clybrink. Great Britain and Germany represented there. But, of course, the Germans qualified by team. So Clybrink vacates that spot. More on that in a minute. Uh, the two Asian spots went to Shikine of Japan and Chen of China. The Pan American spot was with uh, Guillaume Toldo of Brazil and Samandi of Tunisia had the African spot. It was an incredible day uh, in the individual tournament. Um, Carlos Lavador of Spain, who was absolutely in the race for the European spots, won the tournament. And I'm not going to say from nowhere. Of course, he was a medalist at the World Championships. Um, but it, it was a, a, a massive upturn in performance. He beat Andrea Cassero of Italy in the final. And it was uh, Cassero's teammate, Alessio Facconi, who shared the bronze medal step with Alex Masialis of the USA. Um, Dave, let's just start with Germany qualifying. Clybrink vacating the European spot. Uh, how, how did that affect things? Yeah, so I guess it makes it a little easier for for Marcus, uh, you know, one one less chaser behind him. Uh, but then obviously uh, Lavador, you know, scoring superbly; those thirty two points are most welcome. Um, adds another little uh, adds another little question for Marcus, but he doesn't have to do a lot. So the real worries for Marcus and for for Carlos Lavador um, uh, are now only two fences that can spoil that party. So. Alexander Chupinich from Czech Republic and uh, Mikhail Seiss from uh, Poland are just just behind um, just behind them. But they need a big, big score in Anaheim. So we'd need either one of Seiss or Chup to make the final um, and then Lavador also to score points to get over Marcus. Um, and it's actually a similar situation for both of them to get over Lavador. They both really need to be in the, uh, in the medals. To, to challenge that. So if we see either one of those or both go out early, um, it's going to be great news for Marcus and then probably pretty quickly after that, great news for Lavador. So have those, have those, have Chupinich and Zeiss highlighted on your, your DE tableaus for, for Anaheim. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't think it's either sensible or um, efficient for us to go through all the permutations, but if I'm looking at this right, uh, if Mepstead and Lavador don't do anything, yep, let's say sixty fours and no further, yep. Shoop and Zeiss to affect the party need to get to the four as a as a minimum to start to threaten Lavador. That's correct. 
Right. So, you know, as you say, keep them highlighted, Shubhnitsch and Zeiss, but um, keep them highlighted um, unless they go out before the four. If they go out before the four, we know our European qualifiers. That's correct. Okay. So that's pretty simple. Uh, where next? Should we have a look at? Uh, should we have a look at Asia because uh, that seems to be quite an interesting race? Uh, Lee Kuang Hyun of Korea sitting uh, right. Uh, well, he was sitting in a, in a threatening position, of course, with the the Koreans uh, now not going to the Olympic Games as a team. Yeah, absolutely. So Clybrink's uh, gain is Lee's loss. So without that extra Asian place, we now need to grab our best Korean fencer, uh, and that's Lee Kuan-hyun. Um, he can still technically be caught by his compatriot Son, um, but that would require, again, effectively a win. So I think we're going to say that's Let's put that in the unlikely camp, um, but not impossible. So that's, um, that's, a, that's something just to watch out for. Uh, and then where Shikine was first the, uh, the first... Um, uh, Asian fencer, who's now the second Asian fencer. Mm. So Saito is chasing down Chikine quite hard, nine points in it. Uh, so that means that we're going to need at least a 16 uh, from uh, Saito if, if Chikine doesn't do anything. Uh, and then the real loser out of all of this was uh, Chen Haiwei, who mm. was taking that second Asian spot uh, and, and now is no longer doing that. Can still catch Chikine. Um, but he's got a lot of work to do. He's you know twenty points behind. Amazing, isn't it? That one result from Russia in the team event affecting so many fences, and and as you say, most affected uh, Chen Highway of China. It's uh, remarkable that we potentially will have no Chinese fences in, in the men's foil. foil event. Amazing, hey? I tell you what, as well, if you were, if you are hoping to uh, go to the Asian Zonal qualifier now that all the big guns had gone. Um, you know, you're now slightly disappointed that uh, that most likely a Chinese fence is going to be there to clean up. I think there were some, uh, say, from lower-ranked Asian teams licking their lips at a chance to qualify through the Asian zone. Mm. That's now completely changed. They'll be now a very strong favourite, whether that's a Japanese fencer or a Chinese fencer at the Asian champion at the, at the uh, Asian zone or qualifier, uh, and that's going to make it really hard for you know Vietnam or Australia or Thailand or or any one of those countries, which is, um, given that's where I'm from, a bit disappointed, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and that is, the, 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 I suppose, the, the, the other bit to add to that is that whoever picks up that second spot, whether it's a Japanese fencer or a Chinese fencer, the other team can only send one athlete to the competition. But like you say, Dave, they will be hands down the favourite to, to take the men's foil qualifier uh provisionally booked for Seoul. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, Chen, Chen Highway is going to need a medal to even even think about challenging Shikine. Okay, not impossible. But mm. um, looks like we're going to have one Japanese fencer and um, that is it, only the one without the zonal places. Uh, sorry, without the host nation places, I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah, it's a shame. It sort of made that Asian zone a bit harder. But that's uh, that's how it works. That certainly is. So we've got a bit of a clearer picture there for uh, the top of the... Uh, the Asian spots, Lee Kwang Hyung taking that one almost for sure. A slight race on, but Shikine Takahiro has to be the favourite for the second spot. So let's have a look at uh, the Pan Am spot then. Uh, effects of the Cairo results. Uh, Guillaume Toldo, as a reminder, the Brazilian holding the position. Any threat? Uh, 
Kind of. Not really, no. So... (laughs) (laughs) But what's the answer, Dave? Kind of or no? Not really? Well, I always do double check these things because, you know, you don't want to get them wrong. And so so I have a look at Tolo. Can't see anyone on my top 50. Uh, He must be qualified. But I did double check Bash. And he is, given that you get 48 points for winning a Grand Prix, yeah. He is 47.625 points ahead of Victor Leon, who is from Venezuela. So he's not mathematically qualified. But, right. but if Victor Leon doesn't win Anaheim, yeah. he's qualified. Or if he makes the last 96. So that's the... That, told, told, if Toldo makes the 96... He's going to the Olympic He games. would be 48.125 points ahead if he made the last 96. So uh, that would be enough. Um, or Victor Leon, you know, loses a direct elimination match at some point. Um, that would be that would be enough as well. So I'd say, yeah, he's uh, say 99.9% fine, but not enough for me to sign off mathematically. And you know how I feel about Mathematics bash. Yeah, of course, so. of course. So, uh, so highlight Guillaume Toldo on your uh, direct elimination tableau. And uh, if he was to make the 96, the preliminary uh, round before the 64, he will be going to Tokyo 2020. Uh, not completely settled for the African spot. Mohamed Samande of Tunisia sitting in that position, but there is... A, threat coming from behind. Yeah, Ayub Fijani's been been chasing uh Mohamed Samandi uh, all season. You know, it's gonna need gonna need a pretty substantial result. I think it's the last sixteen from Ayub to uh to, to do it. Not impossible but but difficult. So Samandi definitely favourite. Absolutely. Okay, so there we have it. We know uh, our first collection of team competitors for the Tokyo Olympic Games. A reminder, it's USA, France, Italy and Russia, along with Hong Kong, Egypt, Germany and Canada. The individual race is not over, but it will be very soon. Just one more competition, Dave. Yep, GP GP in Anaheim. So if you're based in Europe, you're going to have to stay up to watch it. But I will, that's for sure. Yes, uh, there'll be at least two viewers because I'll be watching it as well. Uh, so that's coming up uh, very soon, middle of March, I want to say. Yep, oh, it's got to all be done by the uh, got to be all done by the start of April. So, by definition, we will yeah. we'll have it done quickly. Yeah, uh, the Anaheim Grand Prix is the thirteenth to the fifteenth of March, just a couple of weekends from now, and we'll be uh, able to listen to the dulcet tones of Iris Zimmerman, who will be the FIE commentator uh, in Anaheim. Looking forward to hearing what uh, Iris has to say about Olympic qualification. Uh, Dave, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure, and thank you to all of you. We'll be back with more Olympic fencing podcasts very soon. 